If I've not had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Kurt. I serve as lead pastor here at the Vineyard Church, and I just want to share a couple things that really are important uh, to us here. Um, one, I just want to say thanks to our audio video uh, team. They la- they're launching a new live stream platform today. Um, would y'all bring up the house lights a little bit for me, just kind of move to the next one? They are doing a great job, and um, for anybody worshiping with us online, thank you for hanging in there with us as we continue to take steps forward. I am grateful to see so many faces, familiar faces, new faces here worshiping together. It is so important to gather as a community and grow as a community. I personally want to extend an invitation to you and then invite you to extend an invitation to somebody. Easter Sunday is April 4th, and this year we're going to be offering an outdoor service at 8 a.m., weather permitting. If it gets crazy weather, just don't come to the 8 a.m. service. Don't do it. We'll just, we're just going to cancel that thing if the weather's bad. Otherwise, we're doing an outdoor 8 a.m. mask optional service. Great place to invite a friend. Great place to just come, experience the hope and resurrection of Jesus, and then you have like your whole day in front of you. It's the benefit of waking up early. We're going to be in here at 9 and 11, um, and uh, we would love for you to come. We'd love for you to invite a friend. We're going to ask um, this community through these next weeks, we're going to continue to ask you to wear a mask. We appreciate you doing that. So many people walk in with masks. We're just going to continue to lean into the governor's invitation to practice responsibility, social distancing, and we're going to continue to watch good things happen for us here. We've added more chairs. You can see some rooms shifting a little bit if you've been around, so thank you for the ways you were uh, saying yes to that. And here's the big spotlight. Easter, big day. Would love for you to invite a friend. Uh, We're excited about what God's going to do there. We are launching Vineyard Kids next Sunday. What? Reopening, so good. Um, Here, I've got a great update for you. I'm going to read it so I don't mess it up. Over the last two weeks, we've been asking our church family, can you respond? We um, know what a significant sacrifice it is to just serve in any capacity. And as we're opening up our kids' ministry again, it's been a little bit of a break. We would love for you to be there. In the last two weeks, there's been an incredible response, and we want to say thank you. This is what it looks like to be a community investing in the next generation. And we're almost there, but not quite. So I'm going to invite you, if you have not yet signed up to serve with Vineyard Kids, here's where we're at. We are five volunteers away from opening a third room. Five more volunteers who are willing to serve one time a month means we go from two classes open to three. And if we have 13, 13 people who say, I'll serve once a month, all of our vineyard classrooms can open up. And so we just want to say thank you for anybody who's stepping forward. So many people who've never served with Vineyard Kids have said, I'll jump in. I'll be a part of that team. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If Vineyard Kids is not the right spot for you, that's okay. There are other places and other ways we as a family will love one another and serve our city well. But I would love for you to to consider, could you do one Sunday a month? I've got kids of my own. They are fun. Like, Four-year-olds say funny stuff. If you want to laugh, like volunteer for the younger classes. If you want to be uh, challenged and feel like you have no idea how the world works, hang out with our elementary age kids because they know tech. They'll get you up to speed on all things like smart and good. I've got uh, a 10-year-old and 8-year-old. They are a joy to be around and they will enrich your life. I promise you will not be disappointed if you get to hang out there and have 
a great time. And we will not send you in there alone. We always have at least two background-checked adults in every kid's classroom, so you will not be on your own. Hey, we are so grateful for Elizabeth and her team, the work they're doing. We love what God's doing among our kids. And we want to see more wonderful things happen in kids and students, more baptisms, empowering them to lead their friends to Christ, to discover the gifts and purposes that God has placed in them because it is not a wait to participate. It is a ready, God is ready for them in the kingdom of God to extend his kingdom. So thank you for considering that. You can always reach out to Elizabeth, elizabeth at pearlandvineyard.org. Hey, we are in week four of our current message series called The Jesus Way. And last week was one of those messages we have to take Jesus serious. When Jesus invites us to follow him, it is not about our comfort. Last week we saw that in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, daily pick up your cross, and follow me. It's really not a popular like tagline for our culture. Self-denial is not the way of our culture, and we're seeing the collision of that. Because here's what's interesting. If I'm pursuing life for myself, myself trumps and disregards every one of you. To live a self-centered life and a self-focused life means there is not room for you when you differ from me, when you see the world differently than I do, because it is actually all about me. That is not the Jesus way. Jesus says, if you will be my disciples, you will follow me. Deny yourself, pick up your cross daily. Not just Sundayly, not just worship service occasionally. Daily, pick up your cross and follow me. And what I love about Jesus is Jesus is going to call us into his way. And here's what I want you to know. I'm going to tip my hand. This is where I'm going to finish today, and here's where I'm starting. The Jesus way is freedom. The Jesus way is life and hope and freedom. And I know it might seem counterintuitive, but when we die to ourselves and we begin to say, you are the creator, you are the one who spoke it all into being, you hold my life in your hands with great care, with great compassion, with great love, the Jesus way is the ultimate and only way of freedom. And today, I'm hoping that we'll discover greater freedom in our generosity. Today's message is that the Jesus way is generosity. As we open up the text, we're going to be in Luke 12. I'd love for you to read along with me. Jesus is going to teach a parable, and he's going to speak very clearly about who he is and how his kingdom operates. And here's what I want you to think about. When you hear the word generosity, what comes to mind? What comes to mind for you? What came to mind for me is I've been shown generosity and I love to have people be generous to me. (laughs) I think I need to go back and listen to last week's message. (laughs) It's so easy for me to think about how it all moves towards me. And to be honest, that's one of the ways I've experienced God. I've experienced people deny themselves and show the love of God to me in generous ways. As we read the parable, I realize I'm much like the person in the crowd saying, what about me? 
May we consider today this invitation to see what it might be like for us to be the source of generosity and how God's kingdom flows through us. All right, we're going to be in Luke 12, picking up in verse 13. Here is how it reads out of the NIV. Luke is in the New Testament, one of the authors of a couple texts in the New Testament, and this is how it starts in Luke 12, 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. <sighs> Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Depending on where you are in your faith tradition, your spiritual journey, maybe you're new to church, maybe you've been around church for a long time, maybe you all of a sudden feel a little uncomfortable because you're going to hear somebody talk about money at church. But take heart, it's okay. We all experience the life of money and possessions and things in our life all the time. Stores and advertisements have no problem asking you for your money and your possessions. You might have a brother who asked for half the inheritance. Jesus seems to be comfortable speaking to us about this. And what I want us to see is Jesus is going to confront my consumption. My consumption. See, the Jesus way confronts how we consume the resources that we have available to us. And the question we have to be willing to ask ourselves is, is there greed in me? Is there greed in me? Jesus is calling out the greed of my heart and my mind. How do I see the world and how do I relate to all the stuff that's available to me? If we're going to follow Jesus, we need to begin to hear the words of Jesus and take him very seriously because he promises that he gives life and it's the good life and it's the abundant life. And I'm just curious, I know that this was Jesus hanging out a couple thousand years ago, but do you think greed is a topic of relevance for our day and time? Do you think how we care about possessions matters today? See, it's so clear when Jesus says this, he says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. All kinds. 
See, what I think is interesting is that there are parts of my life I can be really greedy in, and there's parts of my life maybe not so much, but Jesus is confronting in me all kinds of greed where I'm self-centered and I'm self-absorbed and I consume without regard for anybody else. Watch out for all kinds of greed. In one of the commentaries that I was interacting with as I was preparing for this message, Warren Worsby says it this way. He says, note the, note the unique reality of Jesus, the rabbi, being asked to solve a family problem. So when he sets up this text, we see that there's somebody in the crowd who goes, hey, help me get my cut. I want my part of the inheritance. And what's interesting is Jesus sees right through it. And what Jesus begins to address is not an issue of financial concern saying, hey, who made me the arbiter? But he begins to speak to our heart. Their greatest need was to have their hearts changed. Like too many people today, Warren goes on to say, they wanted Jesus to serve them, but not save them. Like so many interactions around money is like, I want to live the blessed life, but I let it flow to me without considering what God is saying about it flowing through me. This invitation from Jesus is watch out for all kinds of greed because he's actually concerned with my whole person. The way this is written in in kind of the text is is it links greed and, and covetousness. Do not, you might know if you've interacted with scripture, one of the great commandments, one of the 10 commandments is don't covet your neighbor's wife or stuff. Covetousness is an unquenchable thirst for getting more and getting more and getting more. And if I'm completely honest, like I, I remember saying this one day, like I would just love like, like some shopping sprees. Have you ever been to Bass Pro Shops? That place is awesome. But I'm like, you need like 10 grand just to like get all the things that are cool in there. Cars and gadgets, technology. Like, oh, I need this thing. I need that thing. Like, I mean, it's spring break. We got people traveling. Maybe you're traveling right now and you're catching uh, the stream live or maybe after the fact. But like, anybody, have you ever been to a, anybody been to a beautiful place? Four of us. Like, you can, it's okay. Like, sometimes it takes money to get to beautiful places. Like, if you're going to go other places in the world, like, it takes money or a lot of faithfulness to walk and swim in the right direction. And I just see in me this desire for more and more. Like, I would take more sunsets in Hawaii, and then let's go to Fiji, and let's go take in, like, you know, Italy, and let's go eat food here. Like, am I alone? In, I mean, maybe I just need to, like, preach to myself today, but, like, there is this thing inside my heart. What about yours? Jesus made it clear that true life does not depend on an abundance of possessions. Jesus confronts this over and over and over and over again. He talks a lot about money and possessions. And if I'll just be really honest, anybody living in the United States, living in Pearland or the suburbs of Houston, not everybody, but a lot of people live with significant wealth compared to the rest of the world. And that's not a blaming thing. That's actually not a shaming thing. That is a reality where we need to understand we have been entrusted with resources. Do the resources have you 
Or are you discovering that God has authority over all your resources? I mean, I just realized, like, I am jumping right into your pocketbook today. I didn't ask, but I'm, like, in your living room or your kitchen, and I'm like, hey, let's hang out. Let's talk about your stuff. I'm just, like, that's what Jesus is doing. Will we be the kind of people who who reach out to Jesus and go, Jesus, help me see this? As followers of Jesus, our money is not our own. If you want to follow me, deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Follow me. All of my life is yours. All of my life is yours. But I have to ask you this question. I just want to kind of illustrate this for a second. And I want to know, what would you choose? Okay? So I want full participation if you're in the room. Use the chat if you're watching with us live. What would you choose? Okay? Three scenarios. I'm going to give you $950 for yourself, and then I'm going to give you $50 to give away. First scenario, $950 for you, $50 to give away. Behind door number two, $9,000 for you, and $1,000 to have to give away. Okay? Behind door number three. Anybody want door number three? You want to just wild card it? Behind door number three, $16,000, what, for you, $4,000 to give away, okay, $16,000 for you, four to give away, four grand, four G's, okay, how many of you choose A, $9.50 for you, $50 to give away, for those of you that can't see, that is zero hands in the room with me, okay, B, $9,000 for you and $1,000 to give away, okay, C, 16,000 for you, 4,000 to give away. 98% of hands in the room just went up. Here's what's amazing about this. That speaks, I think, to your generosity. Or does it? I'm like, give me more. Here's why I did this. I set you up. It's, it's kind of I just played the room a little bit. A is... One, when we set this up, when the money comes to you like this, I'm going to give you $16,000, and I just need you to give four away. Does anybody have a problem? No, that was the agreement from the start. This is actually how God wants us to live. Hey, I'm going to entrust X amount of dollars to you, and I want you to hear my voice about what needs to go the other way. See, A is less than a tithe. That's giving away 5%. B, $9,000 for you, $1,000 to give away is a tithe. That's 10% going out away from you. C is 20%. It is generous. It is beyond the law. It is saying, I would love to have ample resources, yes, for myself, but oh, how fun it would be to give so much more away. See, I think the way God writes his love and his life on our heart is that we long to be generous. But the problem is so much of us have this idea that all the money that I've earned is mine. And then when God says, hey, I would love to speak to you about how you live that out in community, we go, "Ah." yeah, but I've got this this debt over here, and I've got this thing over here, and I've I've got plans. See, the Jesus way calls me to contribute. And what we see in this parable is God is confronting this farmer, a generous, actually he doesn't say generous, 
would love for it to say generous, but he says rich. The ground of a rich man yielded an abundant harvest. This guy was rich, and then he has this abundant harvest, and he builds this plan. My barns, my crop, myself. And if we are not careful, we store up all this stuff and the life that we live on this earth. It's gone in a flash. The Jesus way calls me to contribute. To contribute. To be a part that it is not all mine. And I get this is uncomfortable. Like I... I might be, you might be hearing three other pastors and the things you heard and the things you saw and the headlines you wrote, but like, hear my heart, this is just Jesus talking to us today. Like, we have to wrestle with this. When you do the research about where we live, in Texas, the average household income is $65,000. I've heard that that is not sufficient funds to live comfortably in the Houston area. It's a lot of money, $65,000. A tithe, which is in the Old Testament, the family of God talked about a tithe, that we give a tenth of our financial resources back to the community we're a part of, we trust them with it, would be $6,500 for the year. The median household income in Pearland is $108,000. Probably because multiple people work, probably dual income. Things like that. And you, like, that might feel like just enough money like, to cover all the stuff that life demands. I get that. Student loans, mortgage, a rent, car payment, gas, all over this town because of work. Medical debt. What, I mean, there's so many things that life demands of us. A tithe on that amount is like $10,000 for the year, almost $11,000. $900 a month. That's a lot of money. Right? Can we just acknowledge? And then what's interesting is Jesus comes on the scene and he calls us past like a religious law and he says freedom to be generous. Be free. Because here's the, here's the thing Jesus knows. Jesus knows that being generous is costly. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Being generous is costly. Being greedy is costly too. I just don't think somebody gets to the end of their life and go, man, that generosity thing was just a load of lies. I so regret being generous to that family. That was like one of the worst days of my life as I reflect back on it. No, it hurts. It hurts to give. And frankly, if we're giving and we're comfortable, then are we doing it in our own strength and our own power? I've got this figured out. My barns are big enough. (laughs) My grain supply is sufficient. (laughs) Being generous is costly. Being greedy is costly. Where will we pay the price in the life we live? Being obedient to God allows us to walk in the trusting care of God and allows us to know something very essential, and it's so subtle in this text. And I want you to listen and see if you can find it. 
And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Who or what yielded the abundant harvest? The ground. The ground. The source of life comes from the Creator. The source of life in you is a gift from God. All of your talents, all of your treasures, all of your kind of intellectual dreams and desires, the the giftings, the experiences, the things that God by his spirit is speaking to you and putting in you is working in you to yield a harvest of his kingdom. To yield a fruitful life, a life that is abundant and good. And God wants us to interact as closely with God in our lives as that crop had to interact with the ground, which springs life up. And I will tell you, I don't know how it works. I'm looking at my crepe myrtle going, please, new buds, emerge. I walked outside after this freeze. I'm looking at this little plant that we have, and it was dead. I mean, it did not look good. And imagine this, green buds, not because I did anything, not because I'm so powerful and so strong and so good. We need to interact in our lives regarding generosity as closely to God as the crops yield with their roots down in the soil, receiving life, and they just, fruitfulness. And here's how it happens. We have to read this text connected. He tells this parable. This is how it will be with you, whoever stores up things for themselves, selfishness and greed, but is not rich toward God. He's saying, be rich towards me. Be generous to me in the things I say to you. Be generous in your life with me. Let's walk this out. And here's how we do it, okay? Here's the good news. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. You are valuable to God, and he sees you, and he says, do not worry. I got you. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? I sure have tried. Man, I have tried. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You of little faith. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. And I love this. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. 
Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The invitation to generosity in the heart of Jesus, in the ministry of Jesus, in the way of his kingdom. Connect this. You have to do this with me today. The invitation to generosity is attached to God's generous care. It is connection and attachment to God that will meet you and care for you. His heart is to care for you. And I realize you might be going through something hard. You might be staring down a list of bills and you go, Kurt, you have no clue. Like, don't talk to me about money. And I think in those moments, God is saying, come, connect with me and connect with community and let's walk this out together. Do not process the abundance of your life or the lack of your life alone in isolation. Come and receive care. Receive care from me. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God wants to care for you. God wants to meet your needs. He wants to help you grow in this. He wants to allow you to lean on him and build trust. And I get it. I get it. It's like weird. It's like, well, Kurt, maybe you have like an agenda because, you know, you're on the payroll. I get Or maybe you have an agenda because you just like want more stuff. Can I just tell you what, like my heart in this? I want you to be free. And in my own story, I was trying to practice tithing. I was giving 10%. My wife, Lauren, and I talked about this, and as we got married, we we like did not have a whole lot of money in the bank. We got married without jobs. Anybody done that? It's possible. Your parents might go like, what? I was like, no, it's okay. I'm still in school. Because <laughs> that, no. Like we, like we lived in, the, we found the cheapest apartment. We could walk, I could walk to campus in case one of our cars broke down. I could still get to practice on time. Like this was our life when we got married. I promise, you can ask us, I'll tell you the story later. Our rent go, went down. Like, that never happens. Like, that's the kind of place that it was. With what we had, we started trying to lean into God's presence and say, we're going to trust you. We're going to trust you. And it's taken years to realize, like, my heart was anxious all the time around money. Still can be. Not as anxious as it was. But here's the beauty. If you are doing the work to provide for you, who is that all on? You. And we live in a wonderful place where you can go get it. But you will always feel the nagging thing. If you don't go get it, it ain't happening. When you begin to open up your life and the generosity of your life and you say, God, I want to be a part of your resources and your kingdom have your way. The work that God will begin to do is on your heart. Are we anxious and lacking trust in God? Two things tell us the answers to these questions, our heart and our pocketbook. 
And all I'm saying is we need to be the kind of people who will look at these two things and say, God, do you have full authority? Do you have control? Am I rich towards you or am I worried? Am I rich towards you or am I anxious? And here's the beauty of it. It's not really about a percentage or a thing. I think we want to grow in our giving. We want to grow in generosity. 10% could be a good goal for some of us to work to over the next year. Some of us, it might be a good goal for us in the next 30 days. The whole point is that we learn to be obedient to the work of God in us so that we can live the Jesus way, which is generosity and not greed. And I don't know how to like, here's the deal. I'm not going to come check your pocketbook. Because it's not about me approving or disapproving of your pocketbook. This is about relationally walking with God. And it's not always easy. And all I can do is point to the scripture and say, I think Jesus is clear. If you are my follower, if you're not following Jesus, don't follow Jesus. (laughs) You get to figure out life your way. Out of my own life, I will tell you this, we have not yet been able to outgive God. And that's not a cliche church thing. If God can speak everything into being and he can create everything and the ground can yield crop, I believe the the resources and the storehouses of God are way more than me. And I'm going to give this very specific example. If I am the only one providing for my family, it's all on me. When I make myself available to a community of people who listen to God, do you realize how richly my life has been blessed? Because people show generosity towards me. Show of hands in the room, anybody ever had somebody buy your meal when you go out to eat? Okay, a lot of, every hand's up. Put your hand down if you did not like that. This is the resources of God. Hey, let me get that meal for you. That's generosity of heart. We have to cultivate that in our heart. We have to work at that in our heart. So let me just sum it up this way, and then I'm going to finish. What am I actually saying? Unapologetically, I am saying the Jesus way is generosity. And any part of my life where there is greed, the loving kindness and transformational work of God wants to address that in me so that I can be free. Greed is not freedom. And if you have a fear around money, I have had a fear around money. When I was six... This is how much the fear deep in me, not because of my parents, not because of like, this is just my reality, my brokenness. When I was six, I would ask my parents, hey, we, we going to cover bills this month? I've never had one of my six-year-olds ask me that. I have been afraid in regards to money and provision in different times of my life. Is there going to be enough? Church, hear me. In the kingdom of God, there is enough. There is enough. There is enough for us to love one another. There's enough for us to care for one another. There's enough for us to say, come sit at my table. There is enough in God's kingdom. And he says this to us in that parable. He says, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Don't be anchored by your possessions, but reorient your priorities and seek first the kingdom and then allow your life to flow from that place so that you can be free. I want freedom for us. 
I want generosity for us. And here's how we're going to practice it as a church. The week of Easter, starting the Monday after Palm Sunday, we are going to launch a week-long campaign called Live Generously. It's going to go all the way through Easter Sunday. Every dollar that comes in to this place will go out. We are going to make sure that everything that comes in that week goes and blesses ministries that happen beyond here who we have relationship with. If you bring a friend on Easter Sunday, we're going to invite them to live generously. We're going to say, this is your first Sunday here. We are so glad that you are our guest. We want you to be a part of the generosity of God's kingdom. We are going to help resource Homes with Hope, which is a foster and adoption agency here in the Houston area. We are going to help resource Convoy of Hope, which does agricultural development and feeds kids. It does uh, entrepreneurial development for women around the globe, and they respond to every global crisis. They were here when we were without power and needed water. They're here for hurricanes. They are all over the globe. We're going to help resource them. We're going to help resource the mercy to our own city to meet needs at Carlston, Pearland ISD, to families who have need. We're going to say we're ready to buy groceries. Our partnership with Johnson Chapel over in Houston, we're going to make sure that we can resource them. Everything that comes in is going to go out. We want to cultivate a culture of generosity because you're cultivating a culture of generosity. This is how God's kingdom works. Ken Hur says it this way, Our attitude toward material possessions reflects what we have set our heart upon. Our heart is possessed by our possessions. What is it that has possession of you? What is God saying to you today? It's not about me. It's the Holy Spirit speaking and whispering and saying, how do we work this out? And I believe there's freedom for us today. There's freedom for us today. I want to invite us to stand together. I'm just going to be honest Here's what's happening inside of me. I'm having to fight to be courageous. Because there's this voice inside of me that says, yeah, you know, they're going to think you're judging them. Yeah, they're going to think you're just after their money. Yeah. And my, my guess is you're probably hearing voices like that too. See, you were right. The church just wants your money. No, like, to be honest, like, if you haven't been financially participating in the church, like, we're making it. We're doing okay. Because people are generous. Like, the community is caring for the community. Would greater generosity allow us to have greater generosity? 100%. So if you're hearing that whisper, they just want your money, Kurt wants a jet, I don't know, I don't know. Our culture is so twisted up around money and stuff. Like, my heart is that we would be free to live the Jesus way, and I do not feel sorry about this one bit. Jesus says the kingdom is a kingdom of generosity, and yes, he wants all of our life, including our money, including our pocketbook, but most importantly, he wants our heart because from the heart, our life flows. So how's your heart doing? Where do you need more freedom? Where do you need more freedom? Where are you feeling like God is not caring for you? God longs to care for you. You are valuable to God. 
What I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray a prayer of invitation and blessing over you. I think God's been speaking to us. I believe God will speak to us. And if you need specific prayer, if money has been hard, if you are going, we don't have enough money, we want to pray for you. We want to pray that you would have resources for what you need, that you would get daily bread. If you're going through a hard thing, there are unexpected bills. There are things that have you very afraid. You don't know how to make it to the next thing or the, like, your dot, like, whatever that oppression, the oppression of money that's on you, we want to pray for freedom and provision. That God would speak to you and meet you and lead you through those conversations. So, Lord, we just ask that you would come. God, as I'm just aware of, like, this really shouldn't be a hard conversation. You seemed comfortable. The crowd seemed to think you had authority when it came to money and issues of inheritance and stuff. God, we just, we make ourselves available in your presence, and we just say, come, would you speak? We, this crowd here at the Vineyard Church, turn to you and say, Jesus, what do you want to say to us? How might we walk out the Jesus way? And today, I bless every single person who's connecting to this message to know two things that are true. You value them immensely and are ready to care for them. And the way of your kingdom is generosity. So I pray that you would grow our family here to be a family that grows in generosity and freedom. Free up our hearts, God. Free up our obedience to you. Where people have uh, not handled this well in our past, I pray for forgiveness and healing. God, thank you that this is a generous community who longs to live generously. Would you come? And today, I do, I say, would you move us from fear to freedom in your name? Would you break anxiety off in us? Would you allow us to trust you one step at a time? Give us wisdom, give us courage, give us faith, God. We love you. We pray that you would bless this community to be hope when we leave this place. To be a people who seek first your kingdom in all things. We bless them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.